by Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Star Wars Episode 4 A New Hope, starring Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford, directed by George Lucas. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. It's a new day and a new cast, and what might be our biggest film review cast of the year. Yeah. Uh, this one we're calling it a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, obviously, we're going to be ta- tackling the Star Wars films in lead up to December 20th's release of The Rise of Skywalker. And what better way than to tackle the original trilogy? Uh, but first, Matt, I think we have some Imperial spies in the room with us here. Uh, today we're being joined by a <laughs> Those couple... were the droids I was looking for. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> we have a, we're joined by a couple guests, uh, some fans of uh, Rye Smile Films uh, and some good friends of ours, uh, Jonathan and Brett. Hey, uh, it's Jonathan here. Um, a big, big fan of you guys' podcast. Uh, you know, for a little context for people who listen, I'm the guy that... Got really scared of Matt's review of uh, <laughs> of uh, Paranormal Activity. So oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> just Tim, did, did you go there yet? I, I have not. I have not had the the strength to go there yet on my own. <laughs> okay. Just from the description. Just from the description. Yeah. Excellent. You got to do it, man. Yeah. Oh, I'll eventually I'll get there. <laughs> Jesse's the one that's gotten me into seeing uh, horror films. I, I was never one to watch them on my own before. Um, so. When done well, they can certainly move you. Yes. Maybe to not a comfortable yes. state, though, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Usually not a comfortable state. Right. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brett. Uh, just a big fan of the podcast as well, and a good friend of Jesse and Matt. Uh, I like to comment on all the questions on you guys post on social media and stuff, and I'm just... Uh, Truly honored to be here today. Excellent. We're Thanks glad for coming, guys. We're glad to have you both. Thank the, you. the reason we also wanted to have guests is just Star Wars is such a universal franchise. We've all come at it from different angles. Everyone has such a different perspective of it. And what better way to kind of share the love than have some guests on? So we're opening up a new bottle today. This is the Baker's uh, Seven Year. Um, I've never had this one oh, before. Boy, you're in for it. Raise them up, boys. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, everybody. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm. I like the design of the bottle. Yeah. It's, it's very elegant. <laughs> Baker's is a slam dunk. Excellent. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I don't even care about the bottle. It tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like maybe drink it out of the bottle. It'll taste even better. Oh. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. An idea. We'll see how the episode goes. <laughs> well, we know that when we've had a guest before, one of the rules um, of the guest is to bring the flight and the nightcap questions, and you guys have certainly done that. So. Brett, why don't you go ahead and hit us with that flight question? We'll get started. All right. So me and Jonathan collaborated to come up with both of the questions today. But the first one for you is, if you could replace any actor or actress in a role, who would it be? And who would you replace them with? Do you guys want to tackle that first, or how do we want to go? Let's start with you, and we'll work our way around the horn. Yep. Uh, I give this one a lot of thought. And after much consternation, it came to Chris O'Donnell in Scent of a Woman. Okay. Okay. That guy's a terrible actor. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you just replace them with any any Joe Blow out there? No, no. no actually, okay. I, I have um, the modern day Jimmy Stewart to replace him with at a time when he was working in the talented Mr. Ripley, and it's got to be Matt Damon, mm, and it's not yeah. even close. Yeah. That that period, mm-hmm. right? So we talk about sixty five, uh, sixty seven to seventy five, like that ten year period ish a lot. Mm-hmm. My second period that's close to that is 89 to like 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is just my sort of drawn to the thrillers that came out then. But then there's a lot of this type of film that comes out at this moment. Yeah. Look, that movie could have been one of, I think, the all-timers if there was a good running mate for Al Pacino's Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade in that film. Look, <laughs> his Academy Award winning role. Yeah. Isn't that shocking? It's not Godfather or Carlito's Way mm-hmm. or Scarface. It's Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade mm-hmm. in a nod to a fantastic career in film. Sure. If that movie has Matt Damon in it mm-hmm. at that time, and go back and look at the talented Mr. Ripley version of Matt Damon and tell me that that's not the same guy mm-hmm. that Chris O'Donnell could never aspire to, <laughs> that movie becomes one of the best of the decade. Yeah. Uh, it's everything that Dead Poet Society was, but better. Mm-hmm. Not quite so kitschy, and God bless Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. But it's everything that movie didn't achieve to, but doesn't get there. Because every time Chris O'Donnell <laughs> shows up on that scene, it's like you kick the car. That's You take your Ferrari. Let's use the movie. Yeah. You take your Ferrari mm-hmm. and throw it into neutral. It just, the scene just dies. Can't do it. And for everybody out there in Ryan Nation, if you question this, go to like the two-hour mark when Colonel Frank Slade is about to do himself in with Chris O'Donnell and watch Pacino and the emote that he is able to present. And I know Al Pacino is almost a character of himself at this point, but he wasn't then. Watch him in that scene compared to Chris O'Donnell. It is like this big, beautiful, gorgeous flower and a little wooden soldier. He, it, it's he's atrocious. So Matt Damon for Chris O'Donnell, <laughs> okay. incent of a woman. Excellent. That's that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty good choice there. Thank you. Excellent. All right, Brett. Yeah. Brett, you're up. So I chose a film that honestly is one of my favorites, and I know is one of your favorites as well, Jesse. Okay. The Notebook. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? You can't change that. That's a masterpiece. <laughs> Brings tears to my eyes every time. Me too. <laughs> But I'm going to go with Maggie Gyllenhaal in The Dark Knight as Rachel Dawes. Mainly because this might have something to do with how the character's written. Mm-hmm. But, like, for instance, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this, <laughs> she dies. Yeah. When what? she dies, I have no remorse. You're, I, you're like, I good. don't care. I'm like, okay, I don't have to see her for the rest of this film. Yeah. And being the love interest of Bruce Wayne in this film, I should probably feel something mm-hmm. when she kicks the bucket. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So she's well, that's my. Well, like your heart is two sizes too small, Mister Grinch. <laughs> I just admitted I love the Notebook. <laughs> I, 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 I feel that we got that covered. <laughs> nice. But yeah, so Maggie Gyllenhaal as Rachel Doss would be my choice. Okay. Uh, as wait? far as replacing her, I had some trouble with this, but I think I'd go with Amy Adams. No, I, I love Amy Adams. I really yeah. like Amy Adams. I think she'd bring a certain element of 
just relatability to it and hopefully make you feel something when she <laughs> ultimately gets killed by the Joker. Can so. I ask you a question? Yeah. Is it Maggie Gyllenhaal in that role or is it just Maggie Gyllenhaal? That's a good question. Uh, here's what I would pose. I, I, it's funny that that came up, that you said that, because I almost went with, uh, what's her name? Um, Katie Holmes? Katie, Katie Holmes, Holmes in the first in one. The first one. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that was actually, was, that's almost where I was yeah. going. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal's really, really good in a movie called The Secretary. Yeah. With James Spader. Yeah. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, She's, well, that's what I mean. That's why I almost feel maybe it was the character. It could be. Because as you said, yeah. Katie Holmes... She felt replaceable, mm-hmm. just like Maggie Gyllenhaal does. Yeah, to me, and in, in the it's dark almost night. like a force so could be. It's almost like just, a forced love interest like mm-hmm. aspect in that yeah. film when everything else is kind of cranking on all cylinders, mm-hmm. and that one piece is just kind of like, eh, like it doesn't quite fly. I'm exactly. with, I'm with you. Okay, good choice. That is a good choice. Yeah, well Thank done. You. Yeah, nice. We got Jonathan. So for me, this one kind of might seem like a cop out. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Star Wars, but what I absolutely hate. Is Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker? That's I, troubling. I hate, I hate him. So it's you know the whole the whole series starts off with a new hope. Mm-hmm. Nothing about the way he plays the character, and again, this could be similar to Brett, where it could be writing. Mm-hmm. Nothing about the way he plays the character gives me hope for the Alliance. <laughs> Nothing gives me hope. It's like you're oh, you're, you're our last hope. Screw it, you're done, yeah. right? And it and it there there's I think something to be said about having. <clears throat> a character that can play, you know, I'm unsure of what I'm doing, but mm-hmm. you can grow into that character. And I don't get that from, from Mark Hamill's portrayal of that. Sure. Um, it's just too much, like, whiny, like, every everything. And so my replacement for him, I think, would be someone that I think can do that would be Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm, amen. Mm. You know, because there, there's characters he like he plays in like in five hundred five hundred days of summer where he kind of doesn't really know what he's doing, but you still have like, oh, you you can figure this out. Like you you have you you, you can relate to the character and and oh, yeah. and pull for him, mm-hmm. right? With Mark Hamill, I don't get that. And Mark Hamill, like I really enjoy some of the things. Like he's a brilliant voice actor. Oh, yeah. But for this, I just don't feel like he has the right characteristic to portray the hope that you need for this series. Like and it gets better in in um. Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi gets better, but it's still like, eh. I, I think you're right, though. I think there's a definite problem, and I think one of the big takeaways we take away from this franchise is like Han Solo's by far maybe the mm-hmm. best character that's given to mm-hmm. us, and he's the he's credited third. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. he, the series doesn't go through him; it goes through Luke. So yeah. no, that's that's a great point. Have you ever I, seen his work in Corvette Summer? I have not. It's terrific. It's terrific. Check it out. It's awful. Mark Hamill needs. That, and that's something that I'll, I won't speak for Brad, but I definitely don't have as much movie knowledge as you guys. So yeah. it's, 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 that's something I've, or this is an aside I've really appreciated about listening to the podcast is, you know, getting to get a, a further in depth look at a lot of movies, some that I've seen, some that I haven't, and just analyze it from a different awesome. aspect. Thank you. What's that line of his that you always love to do in A New Hope? Pow- I was going to go get the power converters. What is that? Like? I was going to go to the touch station get some power converters. He just says it so fast, and he's just so stupid. 
But it's just classic. Just though. to speak it's about classic. voice acting real quick, though, he was the voice of Chucky in the new Child's mm-hmm. Play, which wasn't a terrible movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. Not terrible. Wasn't great, but so should I go see it? Yeah, he is, and yeah, okay. and he's great as the as the voice of the doll. So okay. interesting. I loved this question, by the way, because there's one film I thought about this specifically for a very long time. And, you know, we talk about all of Marvel's highs and lows mm-hmm. and the dominance they have over that Hollywood right now. And DC's just total mm. ineptitude right now. Oh, God. <laughs> Let me hold on to something here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, there's, I think, one really simple way to correct this from the beginning, and this is for Batman versus Superman. Part of the big problem in that film is Henry Cavill's just so unlikable as the Man of Steel, which is a big problem with Truth, Justice, and the mm-hmm. American Way Superman. Uh, but I feel like a big problem with the story is that it's all messed up, inverted. I, I don't mm-hmm. buy an old Batman yeah. going so headfirst into a mm-hmm. conflict. I buy a young Batman doing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give you three. So, oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, this never happens. <laughs> Always cheating. I'm going to need a refill, man. Yeah, there you go. But for Batman, nothing against Ben Affleck. I thought he played the character fine, but I, that's just not the way I think that story should have went for what they're trying to spread it out for. I love the this casting of Robert Pattinson as Batman. I do too, actually. Yeah. I, I'm I'm want to see that. I'm on board earlier. Yeah. Now. Okay, to that. Yeah. Let's raise him up. Let's hope that that delivers. I think it will, especially if they noir it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got that look. Yeah. So if we're going young with Batman, I want to go older with Superman, and I want to go John Hamm as Superman. Oh. He just kind of has that look, look. O- almost Christopher Reevesy, but like not quite. Yeah. And he's almost kind of like gruff, that scruff look kind of a thing. Like I, I buy that. And then the other he cast. He does have that square jawline that was pretty perfect for it. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I could see that cowlick curl in his hair too. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other place they botched that was in Lex Luthor, man. Jesse Eisenberg oh, is oh, just. Right. That was a- who would That's be, who I thought you were going to say when you mentioned the movie okay. at first. But who would be better than Brian Cranston as Lex Luthor? Like, oh. I would, I'd really like to see. I think he plays that villainous part very well. And, you know, it's just they, they would they would have just more in common, like whiny mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg and just unlikable Henry Cavill. The white Amy Adams in that movie, mm-hmm. but yeah. she has zero chemistry with Henry yeah. Cavill. And I don't think that's her fault. Yeah. No, it's the it's the content that's given to you. So maybe yeah. make some casting decisions and maybe play this thing out a little longer. And maybe it could have gone differently. But who knows what the hell they're doing now. <laughs> you don't want to go with Chris O'Donnell as Robin? Mm-mm. You don't want to replace that? That's not going to be in No, there. Robin. Did you like that? Are we going to have nipples on the suits again? Because I really hope we do. <laughs> Bat nipples on the suit? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like Chris, Chris O'Donnell yeah. sucks in everything. Isn't he on some CS, some CSI? Schlocky, NCIS. Yeah. Oh, he was great in Vertical yeah. Limit. Come on. <laughs> Vertical Limit. Love that. <laughs> Runaway, Runaway Bride's a slam dunk, too. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, those. that's 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 my choice. It's it's a film that I really wanted to like, but I think casting just brings it down a little bit for me. Raise them up to those choices and the yeah. suck that that represents. <laughs> the suck yeah. fest. Uh, yes. Excellent. Well, I think it's time, gentlemen, I think it's time to head to a galaxy far, far away. So let's get right to our review breakdown of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. <laughs> Star 
Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope opens up with those iconic lines, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Mm-hmm. And then you're just bombarded by the title and some of the best composed music of all time. Like, I can't think of like another film that like hits you so hard so fast. Since you brought it up, yeah, and we'll bat it around here, mm-hmm. is the Star Wars theme for you more iconic than the John Williams Superman theme, Jesse? I think I like the the John Williams theme like more in its totality, but I don't think it's as iconic as this. Like this is literally all time. Like I can't imagine being in the theater in 1977. You don't know what kind of a movie you're gonna see, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're just it's all quiet, it's rustling, and then boom, you're just hit with Star Wars, and then the the, the scrawl. Like what what do you guys think of like this opening? Well, hold on, Andrew, Jaws, yeah, Star Wars or Superman? Which one are you taking? Oh, easy, Star Wars. Star Wars for you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brett? I'll, I'll go with Star Wars. Star well. Wars across the board? Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You were going to say something. Yeah, what do, you, what, what, what do you think of this kind of opening, this scroll, credits, and the, the music that's just setting the tone? It, it. It, it's, it was, at the time, I'm pretty sure, I don't know this for sure, but it was, um, there was a lot of trouble he had, right, with... I think like SAG and stuff for not displaying credits before the movie. It was a totally different thing that hadn't been done before, mm-hmm. right? And because he wanted to tell his story his way, which is something that I can appreciate. And yeah. this is just, I think that's what adds to how iconic it is. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's just something new that hadn't been done before. Mm-hmm. Just like this whole series. Yeah, I find that refreshing. Yeah. Isn't that this movie mm-hmm. in some ways across the board? Yeah. yeah, landmark in some ways. Oh yeah. Like we can talk about the way credits are rolled on in mm-hmm. movies, and I think they're well done. I would say Vertigo and Psycho come to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but to not have them and like, here's the here's the the, the crawl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Read it and go. go. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so different and pleasant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are, are you a credit reader? Actually, I know you are because you, you definitely are yeah. you a credit reader at the end of a film. I I, I am just because I like seeing the crazy names. Okay. Are you a credit reader? <laughs> I don't. You, I'll, yeah. I'll listen to so your music on this side of the table, to but get I the won't hell out. read anything. Fade so. out, get out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, those Marvel movies, man, they make you wait till the end now. So, no, I just another beer. I just YouTube it, watch it before it's gotten there, and then I leave. So, yeah. <laughs> Brett, words of wisdom from Brett. I watch it and I leave. There you go. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Film Navigation 101. Yeah. <laughs> So what's also great about this opening is like we immediately leave this opening credits. So this was kind of taking a play off of we talked in the Rares of the Lost Ark episode how Spielberg and Lucas have been influenced by Flash Gordon and these Saturday morning cliffhanger serials. Like this is Flash Gordon did the scroll before. So he's paying homage to this bygone era. Uh, with these, with the, with this scroll, which is something I look forward to in every Star Wars movie. I'm like, what are they going to say in there? <laughs> like, yeah. how much time has passed? Well, is and it- it's a brilliant way to give you enough backstory without wasting my time on 30 minutes of film. There you go. Yeah, and you may not get it, but you get that. Some, like, you may not be able to read the whole, the whole crawl. Yeah. and <laughs> internalize everything and put those pieces together in your mind, story beat wise. Yeah, but you know at least what the playing field is. Mm-hmm. I think it's done even better in Empire because, like, it like oh, yeah. there's some time passage, and you're like, "Oh, we're getting in a little late." I think that's one of the reasons that you don't really hurt by not seeing the first three movies. Mm-hmm. They start at four, yeah, right. and with that little blurb, you're like, "Okay, I, I know what I need to know to yep. mm-hmm. get dive into this story." Yeah. Yeah. The the great part about it is, even if you don't read the whole thing, it establishes which side 
you should be on for yeah, the well movie. Said. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yep. Because the Rebel Alliance is fighting against the evil Galactic Empire. Mm-hmm. Boom. We've already established good versus evil. Yeah. Who's on the good side and who we're rooting against. And we're going to see that instantly in the next shot. Literally, David and Goliath with the Rebel spaceship and the Imperial starter. Another iconic... Again, we're just, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. like, good God, like... <laughs> And then you get surround sound. You didn't have like true surround sound back mm-hmm. then, but like I can't imagine just being in the theater, just being like stunned in my seat watching mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's quite an opening. Yeah, yeah, watching these huge being that guy mm-hmm. who saw that mm-hmm. it was a seventy-seven four, right? I'm four. Yeah, seeing these ships descend upon us in the screen uh, was like nothing that had been done. And mm-hmm. you know, the best news about this is pretty soon. St- the original Star Trek is coming, so we're going to take that mm-hmm. and really appreciate just how good that is because that also has a pretty impressive and iconic ship in it too. Yeah, impressive. and that movie sucks too. He's talking about Star Trek. The motion. <laughs> have you ever seen the motion picture? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Holy Christ! <laughs> bring us, bring some Xanax and some sleeping pills because you'll be bored out of Viger. Think about that, right? Yeah. So here is mostly spec. Now we can get, and I hope we will, to the Kurosawa influence of mm-hmm. Hidden Fortress mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. But mostly specced idea based on kind of a traditional established genre in film, the Western, which is just the taking place in space instead of on the frontier. And we'll break this down, I hope, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you have something that's been around for generations, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, you realize in that moment how well done. Yeah. That is, plus, I think Star Trek's got three more years of development mm-hmm. on Star Wars. And that movie just absolutely blows. And they were already established with characters and Klingons and yeah. all of the stuff that makes mm-hmm. that universe up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't tell you how mm-hmm. impactful that moment was. Even at four, I still I still remember that day. Yeah, It was raining cats and dogs. We went at the first showing. It was sold out. The line was around the corner. People umbrellas getting soaked. We had to buy tickets for the 9 o'clock showing. My mom and dad could barely stomach letting their four-year-old stay up that late. But I was going to throw a fit if we didn't see it. Yeah. And we got in there and literally watching those Star Destroyers roll in and the, the fighters was like nothing I had ever seen. You were hooked. Yeah. Like that. What about you guys? Do you remember the first time you saw this? I don't remember specifically because I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh Born in the 90s, so I got to watch it because my dad loves Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I remember, my dad was like, I don't care if he's just a child. Star Wars is your first movie you're going to see. That was your first movie? Or close to? Close to. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good so, for your dad. Yeah, starting out right. It was, and it, it wasn't quite as impactful just because the screen's not as big. It's yeah. not the theater atmosphere. Sure. Yeah. But I was hooked immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like, as a four-year-old, you aren't even imagining mm-hmm. space necessarily. And then all of a sudden, we have a gunfight, essentially. Yeah. 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 A chase down scene in space. Mm-hmm. And it just... I didn't even... I was four. I didn't read the... The yeah. scroll. Yeah. The scroll. You're just here I for didn't a, read you're just it. here for a good time. Exactly. <laughs> and you tell your dad when this is over, we're leaving. We're not sitting around the credits We didn't have YouTube yet, so yeah. I couldn't I couldn't yeah. fast forward. But what about you, Jonathan? <laughs> it was one of the first movies I remember seeing. Um, similar to Brett, you know, I was born eighty nine. 
And so I, I saw it at home, mm-hmm. right, VHS. And so I'm sure that the experience is different, but it's something that yeah. it's to this day one of my favorite, you know, the, movies, the mm-hmm. whole um, story arc, everything about Star Wars is just something I love. And it's because of this movie. Jonathan, did you rent it or what, how did you guys... I had it on, had it on VHS. Mm-hmm. They had the three pack. Yeah. Oh, so you... Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Did so, you go from one to two yep. to three, boom, boom, boom? Yeah, I yeah. saw the first one, not like... I was probably, I was maybe not as young as Brett, because I, I don't know if it was my, I didn't sit down with my parents watching it, right? It was like, oh, we have them. And I was like, oh, I want to watch these one day, What is right? this thing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Watching the first one. Yeah. And then, okay, next one, next one. Mm-hmm. That's how I, I remember seeing them that way. Excellent. You know, four, five, six in a row, first time. Yeah. First blush. Just awesome. And then, um, yeah, it was kind, kind of similar. I rented them. From Furs. This is one of those 50 cent rentals. Furs. Yeah. Oh. And I, we did one at a time. And like, I was kind of not into this first one, to be totally honest with you, until they got to like the Death Star. Um, and they're, they're kind of rescuing the princess. And I'm like, oh, whoa, shit. Like, and then just like, just totally being blown away until the end. And then so I did each one, rented them. And then we bought the special edition VHS. I still remember it was the gold mm-hmm. kind of yep. half Vader face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, cool. But uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about those special edition things here coming up in a bit. But that's how I remember it. And I just yeah, it was just life changing. And that was just a gateway to Indiana Jones too, because it's the same people involved. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of Lucas and and that that kind of team of filmmakers. I want to come with you to Alderaan. There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. So then we're treated to this kind of overtake of this rebel spaceship. We're introduced to C-3PO and R2-D2, Anthony Daniels and Kenny Baker. And I think, if I memory serves, I think Anthony Daniels is the only actor to have been in all nine of these films. Really? Uh, yeah, C-3PO. Because okay. the actor that played R2, he passed away, I mm-hmm. think, before The Last Jedi. And the actor that played Chewbacca passed mm-hmm. away. And is that Mayhew? Yeah, yeah Peter, Peter Mayhew. Mayhew. Yeah. Passed away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think he's the only one that's been in literally one through nine now, which is pretty cool. So, again, these are kind of just like the bumbling droids that are always kind of in there. Man, C-3PO is kind of annoying, though. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in all the movies. But I think he suits a purpose. Certainly. Yeah. And I will say the choice of Anthony Daniels, mm-hmm. I think if we talk about the casting. Yeah. If that's an etiquette droid, and I'm not even entirely certain why we would need an etiquette droid in sort of this this vast frontier of <clears throat> essentially lawlessness other than what oppressive regime the empires rolled out. The fact that they cast Anthony Daniels and he has that pretentious mm-hmm. British sort of suppressed way just naturally about him mm-hmm. is either by hook or crook. Yeah. A very fortunate choice, I think, for this 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 yeah. the series. Yeah. Because as much as those <clears throat> droids don't really do a lot per action mm-hmm. in all totality of nine mm-hmm. films, yeah. they couldn't the series couldn't even start yeah. without them. Literally, yeah. And to choose him 
do you think they said, look, we need someone that's kind of stick up their assy. <laughs> yeah. Let's get this British dude. Yeah. And my question for you, since this is kind of your space, or yeah. if any of you guys know, chime in. Mm-hmm. Does Anthony Daniels have a career outside of C-3PO that's noteworthy? Or, or I mean, I can give you Burgess <laughs> Meredith's Mick and all of this stuff. In, in, Rocky. Yeah. Right. And then all this Globe stuff, Shakespearean. But what about Anthony Daniels? The only thing I could tell you that he's been in was the original animated Lord of the Rings. He play, used the voice yes. of Legolas. Yes, he was. <laughs> but yeah. that's it. Yeah. I had never. Yeah. I had, I I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I that's actually what got me hooked on Lord of the Rings were those uh, <laughs> were those animated movies. ones. I'm not kidding you. So hilarious. Uh, oh, the the uh, animated movies yeah. of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They got me the hooked Ralph on Bakshi it. Ralph Bakshi ones. Yeah. Yep. Um, those are great. Those yeah. are great. So real quick, Jonathan, who are we introduced to in the very next scene here? Iconic film character villain of all time. Darth. Yeah, what an entrance too. He just comes in. He's just like, man, I don't even have to do a damn thing. <laughs> he and just owns it. He has this it. regalness to this. The way he looks with the buttons, which I've always wanted to know what the buttons on his chest like. What what are the function functionality of all that stuff? And just this turn mission. this one off and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Force force choke, and then yeah. I get thrown out. Well, I got, I'm gonna tell that story here in a little bit. Um, <laughs> by the Disney, by the Disney, by the Disney suits. Um, no, yeah, just iconic just head to toe the look and then the voice of james earl jones i think if it's not his voice this doesn't work at all and like not one iota wasn't there a, a lot of um attention from the actor that played darth vader because he yeah. was voicing all the lines yeah he's a body while, while, while they were sitting yeah. while they were shooting him he was voicing all the lines and when they brought someone in to yeah, he dub was, over he his pissed. voice he was pissed yeah hmm. he's like a german bodybuilder yes. yeah he's like six three and wanted to do the voice and and find the footage on YouTube. It's atrocious. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Yeah. That so version of Arnold doing Darth Vader. Worse. That's worse. Austrian, yeah. But yeah. 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 Totally worse. And then immediately the next scene introduced to Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher, rest in peace. But again, we're just we're setting up our players and our path. That Matt's going to talk a little bit about it in the Western, but you know Lucas took a lot too from Joseph Campbell, uh, the hero's journey. Yeah, the hero's journey, the the thousand faces of a hero, which is it's so archetypal in in a lot of ways. You'll you'll remember this in things like Harry Potter mm-hmm. and even Lord of the Rings, for that matter, follows kind mm-hmm. of that same archetypal journey of the hero and the wise yep. sage and we have droid companions and mm-hmm. there's an ordeal that has to be yeah. done in a quest they call it the boon <laughs> reward mm-hmm. the reward i want to be a jedi i need to destroy the galactic empire we're kind of setting all our, our stages here and then we're immediately at tatooine and i think this is one of the things the film does this entire franchise just the the, the worlds we get to visit and how different they are Tatooine and Hoth and Endor and Kashyyyk and Mustafar. I can't believe I said Mustafar on this podcast, but they're just all just so different, and they just they just bleed to this world that Lucas created. And I'm going to do some Lucas bashing, maybe not on this episode, but maybe in the, the next couple. Uh, not here. This is all him. This is his brainchild, and kudos to 20th Century Fox for taking a chance because no one else wanted to touch this thing with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. If you believe in the science fiction genre, then you have to be okay with three fundamental tenets that are actually adapted from the Western genre. Here are the three rules in the Western genre. Number one, the hero belongs to the wilderness. Okay, so let's replace for this the wilderness with space. Okay, number two, another adventure or distant horizons will always call. Okay, so the, the, the adventures never end. Now, that serves a purpose for storytelling, because if the venture's over, then there's no more story. 
And it also serves a purpose in filmmaking as far as the revenue generating device and continuation or perpetuation of the series. And the third is the hero is most comfortable in the wilderness. Okay, so if we define each of those three roles, and if you have any question about how that plays out, just watch The Searchers with John Wayne, and it's a literally a school of that thought played out to the hilt with John Ford quintessentially delivering it. <clears throat> Add to that what you said, Jesse, the archetypal things of black and white, Leia in white, Luke mostly in white, Darth Vader donned all in black, and we are establishing what was already set up in the crawl, which is here's the good, here's the bad, <clears throat> and if you couldn't read that because you're four, or you just didn't <laughs> pick up on it for whatever reason you kind of know now visually it's all done visually too right yeah then you add to another tenant in the western genre which is as you're in the wild you you encounter the indigenous peoples that are unfamiliar to you which might in the 1930s through 70s be Mm -hmm. some version of native american and differentiated by tribe name Mm-hmm. And the cultures mm-hmm. that go along with the tribe name to various alien races in this. And then you get the other tenant, which is the the importance of creating a civilized society in the savage. And that's where the empire mm-hmm. comes in. Look, literally adapted from imperialism. Mm-hmm. Let's, right? It's mm-hmm. on the yeah. nose. Yeah. Okay, yeah. what's so yeah. be it. Yeah. So they're showing up to create law and order oppressively, but civilizing the savage okay so when you get to Tatooine we are literally watching a western film replace the sand people with the Cherokee or the crow or whoever you Navajo whoever you want to put in there and you're literally watching a western Mm -hmm. they even kind of have horses if you want to be honest about it yep right yeah so I think it's a brilliant adaptation of a really well-established, but at this point, kind of tired genre in American mm-hmm. cinema, the Western. Mm-hmm. And then hey, take the influences of Kurosawa and The Hidden Fortress and the the impact that that had on George Lucas. Mm-hmm. And we have a really solid, strong background yeah. or foundation to which we can build this on. Yeah. And I think it's delivered in spades. Excellent. Yeah, I, I think this is one of the film's best strengths, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Just something to me. I, I mean, and even looking back, it, it was something compl- like new, right? Like mm-hmm. we said earlier, it's new and mm-hmm. just different, and you can appreciate that in its in its own on its own. Even though it's like you said, the same thing. It's it's a western, yeah, but it's told in a totally unique way, right? Yeah, it's a new new environment which changes the whole perception of the story yeah. of the plot line. Yeah. And just every new thing they keep introducing is like, so now we're here on Tatooine and we got the Jawas and the Sand Crawler and then the Sand People coming up and then we go to Mos Eisley. It's just, it's just new things that just keep coming up and the way they, they describe it and the, the visual look, the aesthetic, the, the costume design, which I'm going to be touting a couple people because I think Star Wars is built on the success of a lot of people. Lucas, we've mentioned him. The second one... Ralph McQuarrie. So Ralph McQuarrie was a conceptual artist that Lucas hired like 1974, 75. He's like, I need you to help me visualize this film so I can help sell it to Hollywood. He came up with the look of a lot of these characters like Vader and Boba Fett and just kind of the look of the lightsabers. So that pre-visualization just kind of fed weight to like how it was going to look on the screen. Like Mm -hmm. if you've never seen his art, just Google it. 
like you'll you'll kind of see like man that a lot of that shit started from just his brain just like that concept art and what was his name again <laughs> ralph mccory ralph mccory <laughs> yeah there you go okay yeah if i said to you all here's what we're going to have in a scene we're going to have a bar we're going to have lawlessness we're going to have bounty hunters we're going to have a quest beginning we're going to have quick draw guns we're going to have money. We're going to have people with questionable backgrounds that are interesting looking. Would you assume that I am talking about a science fiction film? Nope. Talk about a Western. Not a <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm, pic- about I'm picturing Wars. John Wayne in that scene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, we're literally in the staple of the West. Mm-hmm. Like, the savage civilized building, mm-hmm. roof, yep. some functional revenue generating entrepreneurial device, a bar. But... You drink, and there's this doesn't have the through line of sex like that might be in a saloon in a western. Mm-hmm. They kind of left that out, which is fine. It's the one thing missing from Star Wars is like more sexy. For now, until we get to Princess Leia, right? Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was watching this with my daughter. Yeah. The, the Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. She had a couple comments about Leia in that. Okay. Like, Dad, what does she wear? It's funny. Anyway, I can't wait to hear. Yeah. So. We're also now adapting that staple where so many great scenes have happened in Western films. Mm -hmm. And nonetheless, this is going to happen here, too. Like, this is a really great monumental moment in this film. I'm getting ahead of ourselves with the story here. Mm -hmm. But again, just sort of doubling down on the adaptation of the Western. And Jonathan, you brought it up. Okay, one of the iconic characters in the Western is the ingenue who begins the quest and with the sage at his side gets more steely or more hardened and becomes the better version of the rifleman or the swordsman in Kurosawa's samurai series or in this, the Jedi. Yeah. You could even go back to like like Camelot and Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, King Arthur. And, right, the mm-hmm. King Arthur mm-hmm. and the rise of Squire tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is an iconic moment that characters play out in film and somehow, because I agree with what you said completely, maybe Mark Hamill misses a little bit. You want to run with that? Yeah, let's 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 talk about the casting too. It, it's like like I said earlier, it's just something like you, you got to have that hope, right? With with this whole thing, this whole this whole story arc, right? Mm-hmm. You you have to have hope that you know this. This fight you're going to be in, you have to have someone to lead it. With Luke, you don't get that. Yeah. With his interpretation, you don't get that. You get the whine, the, mm-hmm. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how are you going to build an entire story off of that? Exactly. You have great <clears throat> casting aside from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I say. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and a point I want to make, now that you talk about it more, I see, I see where you're coming from. Because I've never had an issue with Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker Mm -hmm. but I see where you're coming from another and I don't want to jump onto a different series but Mm -hmm. another popular series with a leader that I despise is the Hunger Games series Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games I cannot stand her as a character like (laughs) if you want to start a revolution that's not who you started with. That's the basis of the whole story. But I would never follow Katniss Everdeen to throw over an empire, quote unquote, in their story arc. 
And that's where I feel I relate to your view as Mark Hamill, as Luke Skywalker. He's a character for you that you would never follow into this behemoth of a task in front of you. Granted, we don't know that ultimately we're trying to overthrow the Empire at this point of the series or this point of the movie, but I understand where you're getting from. I don't want to follow this character into into battle, suicide, (laughs) into a suicidal mission almost. There's a sand person there. Yeah. Fuck you, Luke. You're dead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what's he gonna do, really? So, so to speak, just to talk about the casting real quick, and we mentioned this on our Carrie episode. So, Lucas and Brian De Palma cast both their films at the same time. So we had actors read for both parts. So we had William Catt, the greatest American hero, read for Luke Skywalker. Amy Irving from Carrie read for Princess Leia. Of course, we get Carrie Fisher. But then for Han Solo, oh, what could have been Mr. Kurt Russell as Han Solo. I love Harrison Ford, and this is his role, like, by all means. But, man, you know how much I I, I love Kurt Russell. I'm feeling on Kurt Russell. I I, I hadn't heard that. No? Um... You can see the footage. I, 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 I could, I could, I, I could see him. He has that same quality that he can display that same arrogance that Han, that yeah. Harrison Ford does really well. Not just as Han Solo, but also as Indiana Jones. He has that arrogance to him, right? And you know that what? he can get the job done, even if it's a little lucky. Yeah, like he can get it done. And you know what that is? It's almost like an unteachable swagger that like a lot of those characters have. Whether it's Jack Burton mm-hmm. or Indiana Jones or Snake Plissken, like. That's something that's not taught. Those yeah. actors have that. It's yeah. that rogue outlaw, which is another archetype, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. hired gun that mm-hmm. you're going to bring along. And it's in the Magnificent Seven, and it's mm-hmm. in the Hidden Fortress. Like, it's <clears> that y- you can act that, but it's better if you're just naturally the outlaw. Mm-hmm. And by yeah. the way, to the Kurt Russell thing, that must have been a bad month because he missed all of the carry parts and he missed on Han Solo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we would never have the John Carpenter shit, which. Amen. No, no, I know. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, like Snake Plissken, yeah. but I'd probably take Han Solo over no, Snake I, Plissken. I would, too. <laughs> yeah. But in, anyway, like, okay, so let's talk about some of the veteran actors. So one of the things that Lucas was good about was, like, I got to get all these unknowns because no one wants this movie. I got to get some veterans in here. So we get Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi mm-hmm. and Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin. Um, what do we think of these guys? Because these guys, I'm telling you what they were thinking on set. What the fuck are we doing on this movie? <laughs> Peter Cushing had to been like, man, I'd give anything to be back on those Hammer B-list horror films that I made. <laughs> yeah. Playing Van Helsing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I wonder if it was the Edward G. Robinson syndrome mm-hmm. in Double Indemnity. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit past my prime. Mm-hmm. I'm not the face anymore that I once upon a time was. Mm-hmm. That era of Hollywood left me behind. Mm-hmm. I'm not even trying to stay relevant. I'm just trying to stay on the bench. Like, I don't even have to be a starter. Just make me, like, seventh man on the bench. Yeah. Give um, me a ring. Yeah. Give me a ring, yeah. coach. Yeah. Give me a ring. Yeah. Kevin Willis, Jerome Kersey with the Spurs you're, at the end of their last. You're the Carl Malone, Gary Payton of like the Lakers of like 04. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's, what yes. that's, that's what that is. Right. Yeah. Here's the sports analogy. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alec Guinness probably was like, yeah, it's been a while. And then from him to go to this, yeah. he had to have been like, I'm what? Yeah. And then. A space wizard? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I think Cushing does really well, and I think for all of the things that Star Wars is, Mm -hmm. in totality, this is, I think, something they set up that quite never comes to fruition. 
And we see Vader early on. And he's addressed by Admiral Piet or whoever, whatever, the guy that he first force chokes. There's that little moment that Cushing, as Tarkin says, you know, your ancient non-secular religious beliefs mm-hmm. can't hold a candle to the power of militarism. Yeah. And we're now we're in the middle of religion versus <laughs> military. Mm-hmm. And I think initial like it, it plays out. Mm-hmm. It, it they don't just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a lot more that could have been internal strife mm-hmm. inside the empire mm-hmm. that doesn't quite get delivered. Like I'm not saying I know he force chokes a couple people. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he does, and it's about that. Mm-hmm. But they almost dismiss him upon his first appearance when they're saying we've got this great new thing called the Death Star. You've got honor mm-hmm. from Kurosawa mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the Code of the West. Mm-hmm. But this is the force. Yeah. And that's your fucking superpower. Yeah. Kiss my ass, Vader. Yeah. Take your little black self over here. And yeah. boy, is that a mistake. Yeah. I would actually argue that isn't really played out well until Hux and Ren in the contemporary mm-hmm. versions now. Like it's just sort of yeah. left alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't pick up on that until this viewing this week. Mm-hmm. I wish mm-hmm. maybe, maybe. Yeah. I wish maybe that that had a little bit more gravity in this mm-hmm. series itself. Well, one of the things that plays into then is like religion and like atheism, yeah. like the belief of like, you know, a supernatural, you know, type types and those that are, you know, non-believers. It's the same thing. Because I think like back to the casting, I think Cushing's good in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I always think like Cushing and Roddy McDowell and Fred Oh, I love Knight, Roddy McDowell. <laughs> could, right? Like those two guys are sort of interchangeable yeah. in two very different films, but kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that whether Cushing even realized it or not, but that conflict between non-secular thought and militarism sort of smashing as this force tries to oppress the entire galaxy gave that role mm-hmm. enough teeth to where he probably bought off the question marks that we're sort of posing right now. Sure. Why am I making a fucking space general mm-hmm. movie? What the hell is this? Yeah. Maybe there was something there. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. Do you like Cushing? I do. Do you like Cushing? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cushing? So do I. Thumbs yeah. up. Right. He, he plays that. I think he plays that role really well. Mm-hmm. Um, just he, he gives you that that feeling that I think that role deserves is, you know, I'm not into, I'm not into all this Vader, into this, you know, Darth Sidious, whatever. I'm not into this. Yeah. I've got a really big gun. Yeah. I'm into the things that I can comprehend. Yeah. Right. He shows you that thing that, um, that every man can relate to. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And that's the same thing with, you know, if you're bordering on that religion stuff, not everyone can believe not everyone does believe right in the religious stuff and that's what this is showing it's making that movie more relatable to everyone yeah because it's giving you both sides of that that's great Uh, yeah let's kind of pick up on that too with you mentioned your viewing experience this week with you know like how i view the film now in its current state um so in 1997 lucas kind of came back to this film and created the special edition which was you know, adding more things in that he didn't have the money to do at the time. And I, I have to be honest with you, watching it this time, it was very distracting. I like, hated it. Oh, it was terrible. I hated it. So I'm talking about the, especially when we get to Mos Eisley mm-hmm. and we got like, like shit like in the background and we got like those walking things moving past the mm-hmm. camera. Unnecessary, like CGI, like 
you already said it. Well, like, what do you guys? What do you guys think of these? Again, then we're gonna get the Greedo shop first bullshit. Yeah, Jesus Christ. What do you What do you think of all of these persistent changes? Because we had the special edition. It changed again on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. It changed again um, uh, on the like the DVD release. Every release, it, like it's always different. A little different. Yeah. Right? Oh, yes. It's a failed attempt to sort of create some franchisability or opportunities, I think, for spinoff characters that never has been delivered. And it just feels so shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. I wish it had been left alone. We can get to mm-hmm. the first time we see Jabba in whatever oh, good reiteration oh. where he's rolling with Han yeah. to the... Ugh. The Millennium Falcon, we get that throwaway shot of the most wasted character in all of film, which is Boba Fett, right? But like, the, yeah. the Jabba bit, yeah. there's that weird thing because he goes around the character. He has yes. to like step on his tail and it yeah. just doesn't... Ow, ow, it doesn't look so yeah. natural. It doesn't look it right. It yeah. weird. <sighs> that, no, I'm not happy with any of that. Yeah. It, was anybody? Brett, what no, do you think? Brett, <laughs> no. it, it drives me crazy. I like the original theatrical versions because it doesn't have any of that. Those are hard to find unless you have a VCR. <laughs> but to me, it just not only doesn't it doesn't add anything to the story right. or the universe. That's good. It doesn't add to the story. It's it's a visual aesthetic, is what it is. And it looks it looks kind of like you said, so manufactured. It looks like a third party just bought the rights to this movie. And, they and we want to put a stamp on it. Yeah. So let's throw some other alien beings in this movie that have no significance whatsoever. You, you, you said the aesthetic, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something we surprisingly haven't mentioned yet about how great these visual effects are. Oh, yeah. Right? Why are you, why are you computer generating these effects? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, these effects, I'll go back to one that was hugely influential to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the original Jurassic Park in 1993. Those mm-hmm. are great visual effects. Yeah. And these were in 77, yeah. right? With when you have your your stormtroopers riding on these like space lizards, right? And they're they're done as, you know, costumes and stuff. And and you're like, I can believe that. Yeah. Right? Why do you need that? Mm-hmm. You can you can appreciate this is, you know, when we we're seeing them 20 years later mm-hmm. and you're like, you know, that looks pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why are you adding something that just looks honestly more fake than the damn costuming and makeup? Yeah, right. Well, well like you said, it looks pretty damn good. It looks better than everything that's added. Yeah, to yeah. It. yeah. This is gonna come up again big time in Return of the Jedi. Oh, because oh, that yes. movie is fucked. Like yeah. I'll just say that right now. Yep. And in the Blu-rays, the Ewoks blinking is just so messed I up. I fucking hate that. Um, Sorry. But no, yeah, we'll get we'll come we'll we'll get to that one eventually. <laughs> but we're introduced to then Han Solo and Chewbacca and the Millennium Falcon. Let's talk about the Millennium Falcon itself as a vehicle, but then Han and Chewie as characters because I think this is one of Star Wars' greatest strengths. This tandem of the two of them. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Millennium Falcon is presented as this bucket of bolts that doesn't look like you could get out of the hangar, much less. You know, run the parasec and blah, 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 whatever that all that is, right? Yeah. Um, and then you get the best duo on film since Butch and Sundance, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Chewie and Han. Yeah. And somehow Han and all of his garish, roguish, outlandish, outlaw character behaviors... Has somehow learned how to speak Wookie. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Not speak it, just understand. Or understand it. it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Fair. <laughs> um, I yeah. 
and I think with what we're talking about costuming, I'm glad that Chewbacca was launched in the initial version mm-hmm. because had it been later, oh shit, he would have been like imagine the they Jar Jar treatment. They would have fucking hobbited, hobbited in right yes. everything, yeah. like everything CGI for no reason. Yep. And so basically, you have for as hard as I am on werewolves on this podcast, I feel like lucky, <laughs> yeah, because they suck. <laughs> he kind of is not really, but he kind of is sure. birthed yeah. from that, and. To the Lon Chaney credit of that movie, what works? He just looks great. Yeah, Mayhew looks great. The even the eye black around his eyes to fill in the spaces where the mask is over mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. is seamless. Yeah, mm-hmm. every time, every single time we go to Disneyland, yeah, I have to get a picture of the Wookie hug. Yeah, because everyone on this podcast right now is saying, "I wouldn't want. I want a hug from a Wookie." Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. And if you don't, you're the Grinch. Yeah. And yeah. You know, so, yeah. and I'm sitting next to the Grinch right now. So, um, not really. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, what I like about Han too is we get in late with him where he just says a lot of things like, "Boy, like, like I can't remember the total right now, but like he's like fifteen thousand. These guys, this could really save so my neck." Right. So like, yeah. and kind of like, and these suckers are willing to pay. Yeah. 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 So we don't know anything about that. Like I like I like that aura uh-huh. of mystery, and then that kind of stretches over these three films. I think I think Chewie just adds to that mystery mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these two yeah. Together? How do these two get together? And his comments that yeah, n- you never get anyone interpreting it other than Han. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. So you never actually you you have no idea what he's actually saying. Yeah, yeah. you only get a response. Yes, from it, and it too. just it just adds the mis- it, it just adds to that mystique of them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Even I, if they're sm- I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I like how they do that with R two D two and C three PO as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. That's another character relationship. Mm-hmm. Sure. Where you don't know what one is saying, you just get the response mm-hmm. from the partner. Yeah. And they play that off so well throughout the franchise but the two main i guess illustrations of that are the r2d or r2d2 c3po relationship Mm -hmm. and this han chewbacca but but even with that there are times when you're seeing what's what r2 is saying when he's yeah. in Luke's yeah. X-wing, you're you're not seeing the, in, not you're in seeing this the readout. Movie, that, that, that's that's film. all I'm saying though is yeah. that the only time you get to communicate and have a response is through Han. Yeah, oh, that's good. There's a moment that really is smart in this introduction to Han and Chewie and the Cantina and the and the Millennium Falcon and we'll make this run for you. We've come to discover with the mystery that you brought up with Han, which actually isn't played out in Solo at all, which is a huge mistake. Oh, no, that's movie's trying. We get the Parasec run, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Some port, he's been boarded by the Empire, mm-hmm. or about to be boarded, and he has to get rid of whatever cargo he's carrying. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially why he's on the lam. Because that cargo was worth X amount of money, mm-hmm. and he's got to get good on that to get it to whoever is looking after him. And let's stick with the theatrical version. We don't even know yeah. who Java is yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get like, fuck, man, this empire has its fingers in everything. Mm-hmm. It's almost a little mafia-like, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 And I think what you've done in that is I don't need to know anything more about how the empire got there or how they found out where he was going to be at place, time, and and situation X. We just get, man, this empire is so parasitic. It's attacking, and everything mm-hmm. is a potential victim for it. Yeah. And Han Solo, who's not a good guy no. by any stretch of the imagination no. yeah. at this point, mm-hmm. is also fallen victim to that. Mm-hmm. It's really smart writing. Is yeah. that Kasdan? 
No, that's Lucas. Lucas. This is only Lucas. Okay, Kazan's uh, Empire. Yeah, we'll get to him. Okay, so <laughs> for all the things that you want to bash on Lucas about, and maybe yeah. he just got lucky. Yeah. Maybe he just got lucky. Well, you know what? Kind of like Han. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Well, it comes down to something we've mentioned on the podcast. It was like th- they took a chance on him. They took a chance on this idea and let him. One of the other geniuses of Lucas, and we'll get to this when we talk about the aftermath of Star Wars, is his foresight to, I need, I'm going to make a deal where I get full rights to both two and three, which I don't, I don't even really know what those are yet, and merchandising rights. Because the merchandising of this film is more money than the film actually makes. Oh. You know what I mean? Like billions. I mean, yeah. yeah. Look. Boom. Astronomical. Boom. Yeah. yeah. For, for yeah. all of you that yeah. can't see us, me and Matt are wearing our Star Wars t-shirts. Yeah. You got the hat. So yeah. And the hat. Many. And, and to be many. fair, some Star Wars underwear. There you so, go. Oh, shit. <laughs> this isn't that kind of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make good <laughs> Excellent. So let's get to the Death Star. And there's one character we haven't introduced yet. And so we're in this whole Death Star kind of, it's almost like a heist in a way. Like we're mm-hmm. trying to like get these plans back to the Rebel Alliance so we can make an attack on the super weapon. And there's one final piece of that. And it's Princess Leia played by Carrie Fisher. What do we think of this this character? The regal element of the film, so to speak. I I have no issues with casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find her very... She plays the, obviously we know she's integral an integral part of the Rebel Alliance, mm-hmm. but she's able to portray this innocence and young, I don't know why you're holding me ransom yeah. <laughs> feel yeah. uh, that I think translates very well to the audience mm-hmm. and makes you immediately... At least for me personally, immediately sympathize with her. Like, why is this evil galactic empire Mm -hmm. after this girl? Yeah. It's it's brutal. (laughs) I think she also plays a really good foil to Luke and Han in their first interactions, right? She's she's smart. She's quick on her feet. Yeah. And and that's that's not something that Mm -hmm. Luke does great. Yeah. But Han (laughs) but Han does, right? Yeah. Han's like firing left and right and she's just quick, right back. Boom into the garbage chute. Yeah, right. Like, I'm not gonna take shit. I'm gonna make this happen. And that's what her character needs to be, right? She's one of the leaders of that rebel alliance. Yeah. And she and she can play that, you know, I'm gonna be innocent, but she also has you know what? I'm here to get shit done. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, that's that's what... Sorry, Jesse. Yeah, good. But that's what I like. To the Empire, mm-hmm. she's able to portray the innocent victim type. Yeah, yeah. But to these rescuers mm-hmm. in a somewhat foiled rescue mission, yeah. I like the, she's able to be the boss yeah. pretty much. I like their interaction between Luke mm-hmm. and Han. I, I like it especially in the in the next film where mm-hmm. she just she just gives it back to Han so well. And in this film too. Can somebody get this big walking carpet out of my right. way? Yep. No reward is worth this. Like, <laughs> like she's just like so up to here with all she's like been rescued, like get me out of here because I'm done with you jokers. I have like, other <laughs> shit to do yeah. to save this this yeah, rebellion. More, oh, more good, important. good very well said. In 1937, Leo McCary made a movie called The Awful Truth mm-hmm. with Cary Grant and Irene Dunn. We've spoken about that before. Mm-hmm. The brilliance of that movie is it's essentially a couple breaking up. And then as we're watching them break up, it's them getting back together at the same time. And Cary Grant scenes 
and Irene Dunn scenes are shot in a triangulated fashion to sort of let the viewer know that there's a love triangle here. Mm -hmm. Brilliantly and subtly done. Yeah. It really was apparent to me on this viewing how many shots Carrie Fisher is involved in mm -hmm. with triangles. Yeah. Including Vader. Yeah. And it all plays out as we go forward mm -hmm. with romance and family ties and all of those things. But there's not a single shot in New Hope that has Luke and Leia and Han in it that isn't shot in a triangulated fashion. Now, maybe that's just the nature mm -hmm. of the way the camera needs to shoot those three, but they're on some three-sided version. Huh. Yeah. And it's to re-emphasize what I think this movie does pretty well. And it's, yeah. although incestual if you get down to um, it, but not not known yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the pursuit of wholesome, good princess. Mm -hmm. And they make no... <laughs> shortage of attempts to present Leia as royal and regal, but also still pretty good looking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like she's, she's a nice looking gal mm -hmm. and they give her an iconic look too, don't they? Those mm -hmm. side buns. buns. Yeah. Cinnamon rolls. The cinnamon rolls. <laughs> that, that, and uh, again, to your, your portrayal of like that pureness, right? Like you said earlier, they're all white, mm -hmm. right? She's, she's representing that hope. Right, so I, I would even argue that she's maybe more better representative of a new hope in this movie Good. than Luke. Yeah, amen. Yeah, well said. To that, that's really solid. Yeah, excellent. So one thing we haven't mentioned so far, and I can't believe we haven't, is the lightsaber. Now I thought you were gonna say Clive Owen. <laughs> no mention on this podcast whatsoever. This is too late. He just did. It. No. I mean, he could be Obi Wan, right? Oh, fuck me. No. So, John Hamm is my wife's Clive Owen, by the way. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, she hates him. Like, oh. Click, it's over. Yeah. Jesus. I think Mad Men's a great show. <laughs> anyway, um, so this lightsaber has been gifted to Obi-Wan, to Luke, and we kind of get the, the tale of the Jedi and the Clone Wars. And just great filler of mystery that, yeah. man, I wonder how we got here. This mm -hmm. is great. And then it's just all just fun when we finally see it. But that's a story for a different day. Or a podcast cast for <laughs> yeah, a different day. day. Is yeah. the Clone Wars yeah. bad? I didn't watch no, the no, 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 I'm just talking about the prequels. Are you, oh, you know what I mean? The cartoon. Was the, oh, I did, no, I, I, it's, I it's heard it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really... No, yeah. It's much there's better been, than the movie. There's been some saving graces. Okay, sorry. This lightsaber, though, this has to be one of the greatest yeah. cinematic props, weapons, objects of all time. Ever. Oh, yep. yeah. Everyone knows oh, yeah. that sound, the mm -hmm. look. It's just, it's so awesome is mm -hmm. what it is. I mean, just because it also represents, you know, what is, you know, I think that's something that is missed i don't necessarily say want to say missed in modern warfare right but the mm -hmm. one of the original weapons is so devastating but also intimate mm -hmm. is a sword yeah. right yeah. right and, and it's a whole new life to that yeah a whole new power right what it can it can deflect blaster bolts it can do so many things mm -hmm. right but at the end of the day it's a simple you if you are a master of that weapon yeah you can do unreal things well and another reason i think that's critical is like you've touched on the samurai mm -hmm. there you go concept yeah kurosawa we live in an age of guns in star wars we live in an age of blasters yeah. and starships mm -hmm. and things that can kill you yeah. <laughs> from across the room <laughs> and yet this these two men yeah obi-wan and darth vader yeah 
who believe in this ancient religious or religion yeah. wield a lightsaber. Yeah. And they're the only two that can yeah. effectively. There are two words you said there that are so important. Men and wield. Okay, mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be perverse on this, and I hope this doesn't take, any, take anybody to a, a weird path, but there is no question that the unsheathing and mm-hmm. the emergence of the lightsaber has phallic tones to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is everything that is masculinity, and in the hero's mm-hmm. quest, mm-hmm. the assuming the mantle of all things masculine that is represented mm-hmm. in those lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Like, even when they ignite them it is essentially at hip level at an erected position not done on Mm -hmm. accident and Mm -hmm. you know what it plays because it also so in this age of technology where you can kill someone from galaxies Mm -hmm. away with Starkiller or Death Star 2 or Mm -hmm. Death Star 1 or whatever you want to use there's still this honorable way to fight Mm -hmm. between men Mm -hmm. and I will argue that that's the biggest problem with Ray and the new versions is they took a common male trope and used it to define an, a uniquely feminine character instead of giving her her own way. It's certainly an argument to be had, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that lightsaber for all of the things that it is and the people to go to Disneyland and pay hundreds of dollars to have it made and the kyber <laughs> crystal process mm-hmm. and the honorable nature mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. and it's passed down from your father and the sound... It's everything that the samurai sword is. It's identical to that. It's, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, literally. Yeah. it's Hatatori Hanso. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's the it's the creation. The, it's the samurai mm-hmm. sword. Yeah, like again from Kurosawa, mm-hmm. but done in a brilliantly mm-hmm. new and refreshing way. And then we got the color differenti- differentiation mm-hmm. too. We have blues and well, red against that's red. Crit- that's critical. Yeah, definitely. Which, especially as a kid, when I first watched this. Mm-hmm. That's what stood out to me. It was blue versus red, mm-hmm. light versus dark, good versus evil. Again, yeah, you're you're a four year old kid, like mm-hmm. yeah, you don't know what the hell's going on in this film, mm-hmm. but you understand the variation between good and evil. Exactly, so, yeah. archetypally, right? Red, mm-hmm. anger, passion, hatred, mm-hmm. blue, tranquility, peace. Mm-hmm. Like it's on screen, yeah. playing out the metaphors and a male phallic symbol yeah. adapted from a Japanese staple of the mm-hmm. samurai sword and a genre of westerns that's been revisioned as a science fiction. Like, this movie is so brilliantly crafted yeah. with basic tenets yeah. of storytelling and humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'd like to next tout the next like genius of the Star Wars creation, and that's sound designer Ben Burtt. So... Ben Burt has created literally all these iconic sounds that you've heard in this film. The, 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 yeah, the, the blasters. You know when the Tie Fighters make that, all that. That's him. That's one man created how this entire thing sounds. And and Chewie's, the R two D two beeps. Everything is him. And I don't think there's the music. So we've touched on the music, the visual, and now the sound of what makes Star Wars Star Mm -hmm. Wars. Man, these these like four men awesome. have like really made it happen. Yeah, and just some of the like one of the ones that I've always remembered this ever since I heard it. Just some of the things like to think about how mm-hmm. how'd you come up with that? The sound of the blaster. Yeah, is you know the cables that hold up I've light seen that. poles. Yes, yes, I've seen that. That's the sound. Yeah. of plucking one of those cables. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you take like a wrench? Yep. To it? Yeah. Yep. And that's the sound wow. that reverberates through the cable, holding up like telephone poles, whatever. 
And, and it just like how how did you come up with that, right? It, mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Well, that's the sound foley artist. Yep. They find unique ways to mm-hmm. find sound, yep. but there's so many unique sounds in this film mm-hmm. that there's not just one. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, they're all over the place. Well, even in not in this movie, mm-hmm. but in episode five, there's even just a, the simple difference between Darth Vader's lightsaber mm-hmm. and Luke's lightsaber. Mm-hmm. They sound different when you strike. Yeah, and when you unwield them, the, I think that's one of the things them. that mm-hmm. makes yeah. this this is on the these movies so unique mm-hmm. is that they're total like they're not just new visually, they're new sensory. Yeah, right. They're things that you haven't really experienced before, and it's putting you. I think for me, did a really good job of putting you yeah. in that universe. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not trying to dog on the Marvel films right now, but like other than Iron Man's like. Mm-hmm. Beep, to his repulsor blast, like everything else is pretty generic. The, the only, the only <laughs> other unique one yeah. is Cap's shield. Okay, yeah. When it makes when something com- yeah, contacts ding. the shield it's or like is a throwing it, yes. it's, it's a unique sound. Yeah, in it's, that. it's like a dingy sound. But, but yeah. pretty much those are the only ones. Yeah. Here, I just I listed like mm-hmm. seven, and you yep. all knew what they were. Yep. Like, there's also one more unique Marvel sound, <laughs> and that's the groans of the audience when oh. Pepper Potts shows up as rescue. That's unique to Marvel. Also, isn't it? <laughs> sorry, no, I'm, not, I'm not sorry at all. Yeah. So let's get to the, the like the final two like just climactic parts of this film. This first one is this escape from the Death Star with Princess Leia with this kind of like this blaster Millennium Falcon showdown with Han and Luke. Like this scene is just badass. Yeah. And if you ride Hyperspace Mountain mm-hmm. in Disneyland, this is the, the the song they play when you ride that oh, ride. It's okay. awesome. Yeah. Bum bum bum. Do do. Do 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 bum bum bum. It's just it's so awesome and like it's like Luke kind of again Mark Hamill's like playing him shoddily, but he's coming into his own at this yeah. point. He's like he's like I yeah I got one. Great kid, don't get cocky. Yeah, like, <coughs> kind of a which, thing. Which which always that's one of those lines that's always killed me mm-hmm. coming from Han. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was done on purpose yeah. and it's a great a great thing, but it's like really yeah. right it, 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 and I think it's a more endearing like it's an endearing thing from Han. Sure, you know it's one of those hooks that like. Really, huh? Really? Yeah. But it gets you more vested in the character, right? Yeah. Because you're having, like, come on. Like, that's the feeling that you have toward a friend, right? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. So now we have the stage set for our final climactic showdown. The plans are with the Rebel Alliance on Yavin 4, and we're going to make a final uh, assault on the Death Star. Before, again, now we have the ticking clock element, literally. The Death Star is coming in range of the moon to blow up the Rebel base. We've seen the full power of this uh, weapon already. Poor Alderaan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Poor poor Alderaan. Rest in pieces. Yes. R.I.P. Alderaan. Rest in pieces. (laughs) I come in peace. Go in pieces. Yeah. So we get at least, it's 20, 25 minutes long, this final Death Star assault. So let's kind of run with this for a little bit. I think the the best strength of this is just the visual. Visual. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't... like I bag on visual effects a lot, but like here, and we got to tout another man, John Dykstra was like the head of the visual effects department, showing you stuff you had never seen before, like motion technology. Uh, that that this is something where yeah. I'll relate it, like one of Jesse's favorite movies, Alien, right? Yeah. Seeing that they they were come come out what four or five years, three or four years apart. Yeah. Right, and Alien had great special effects, <laughs> but this was like to me otherworldly even above alien it has to be and and, and it's like how like it's 
and it's it's genius in its own way, right? About how you can do this. Think of things like that. That's something that always gets me is when people think of things that are just totally unique mm-hmm. that pe- other people haven't even dreamed of, right? And you see like, oh, alien that, oh, those great great visual effects, but this is like on another planet. Literally, yeah. What do you think? I think the brilliance of most of the space battles in these movies are the shape of the ships. Whether you're looking at it from the front or the back, mm-hmm. if it's an X, yeah. it's good. a good guy. Yeah. Yep. If it's an H, it's bad. a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. And it is so simple. Yeah. Because in space, everything's dark, so you don't have color differentiation. Mm-hmm. So it has to be shaped. The sound helps a lot, too. Yeah. The TIE fighter scream is <laughs> well unmistakable. And one note on that is there is a color difference. Of blasters, yeah. So, Reading. Tie fighters shoot green lasers. Mm-hmm. Good guys shoot red, red lasers. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And and that even extends beyond you mm-hmm. know your other your your star destroyers and stuff. They have something that I I uh, maybe this is a stretch to relate to the western, right? Okay. But all of them are you know mm-hmm. it's an arrowhead. Yeah. Something from yes. the starships to something that looks more animal like yeah. than all the Rebel Alliance ships, right? Yeah. The hunter and the hunted. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Bright. One of the other things, we've talked about Western a lot. The other kind of parallel we haven't made like with this film is with World War II and like mm-hmm. Nazi Germany and the Gestapo storm, storm troop, troop Like literally yep. like this is the Gestapo yep. force of the Rebel Alliance, the Nazi Germany. Like Lucas is very smart in what he's drawing parallels for him. I'm not going to say he's stealing because you're not stealing from history. You're just drawing influence from it. But yeah. like – He's crafted such a story that you're it's like again visually it's just you get like good and evil. It's so clear mm-hmm. at this point. If it's not clear, you're fucked. <laughs> well, and I wanted to bring up a point. I'm glad you brought up World War Two because mm-hmm. uh, the movie Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. If you guys saw it, one Did of the it? best parts of that movie is hearing the planes mm-hmm. come in behind you. Mm-hmm. To me, the TIE Fighters give that sense. Mm-hmm. That's why they have such a unique sound mm-hmm. in my thought process. The Doppler anyway, effect you on can, it, right? You can clearly hear a TIE Fighter coming. Oh, yeah. And you can hearly, or clearly hear a TIE Fighter flying away. Yeah. Like, it's a very distinct sound, much like the airplanes in you know, historical situations. Oh, you found it. It's like it roars almost. Yeah. Look the hell out. It sounds like it's ripped out of a horror film. Exactly. That's yeah. that's not pleasant. Mm-hmm. If that's coming after you, that is not have good intentions. Mm-hmm. And again, so simple for let the to let the audience have something to anchor auditorily, visually. It's so smart and simple. Whether it's the color of the blasters, mm-hmm. the sound, the shape, that's the brilliance in simplicity. We've talked about it so much. Yeah. Less is more. Oh, yeah. Give me a shape. Give me a color. Give me a sound. Mm-hmm. You're working at a sensory level. Yeah. And good for you. Yeah. So let's get right to it. The climactic moment of the film, the trench run. The trench. It, it's so great. Like when when it comes in on that camera angle and he like goes into it, you're like, yeah, I'm there. Like unsuccessful a couple times and then luke goes in it's again the hero's Mm -hmm. moment i'm gonna seize this moment this joseph campbell moment and you know he's he's full on in but he's gonna use this thing the force that we've been talked about yeah 
Use the cost. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't trust him. Then again, saying even that simple word. Yeah. Like I don't trust the guy. Yeah. There's nothing left That's of all your friends. Real Luke. name, right? <laughs> Biggs has just been blown to bits. Oh yeah. None of your friends Obi-Wan are left. Close Biggs. your eyes. Real quick though, uh, this is just a little side anecdote. So the actor that plays Wedge, Antilles, is that's actually Ewan McGregor's uncle. Really? really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. That's awesome. So there's there's a cool little that tie is. for you. Ewan McGregor is my favorite casting of the prequels. He's the saving grace of the prequels, oh, actually. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yeah. So as we've made a lot of references to the Western genre in here, mm-hmm. we have the approach of squadron, <clears throat> plural, to this centrifuge that they want to explode, destroy so that the bad guys will be defeated. Look, guys. This is the valley sequence yep. in every Western. Mm-hmm. And what is always stationed on the valley above them. High ground. Right. Mm-hmm. Like now we're to mm-hmm. Shinzu in the Art of War. Yep. Seek mm-hmm. a higher ground than your mm-hmm. opponent. Yep. And that is whatever inhabitant species that you are trying to colonialize with their bows and arrows yeah, or whatever turrets. it might be shooting yep. down at you. It's literally what we're playing out in the trench. It's mm-hmm. the valley. Mm-hmm. And the le- at the end of the valley is home base, yeah. whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah. yeah, So, again, not brand new, but delivered in a refreshing way. And also, like I think you just said, mm-hmm. this is my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Is, oh, I, there's a lot no, that I love this, in this This film. is awesome. Yeah. It yeah. truly is awesome. Yeah. And so we have shapes and mm-hmm. sound and color, and now we're reimagining that in a new valley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally, it's the yeah. trench. Yeah. yeah. I, I just got to say, every time I watch this, it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. When, when Once Luke turns off his target computer and he says, what's wrong? Nothing. I'm all right. And we get through that. <laughs> and, and then he's finally on his trench. I get the hairs yep. stand up on my yep. arms. I feel you. And Han comes in, gives him a, a one on the left. You're all clear. And I'll blow this thing and let's go home. I'm just on. I'm on cloud nine at this point. Like yeah. this is so perfect. When our hero is traveling through the valley to mm-hmm. get home to destroy the bad guy's base, he's pretty much mm-hmm. on his own at this mm-hmm. point. Until the buddy, almost buddy, that sold him out about the end of Act Two mm-hmm. shows back up to pick off the guy who had the kill shot that he didn't yeah. know was coming. And kills him before he kills the good guy. So good. We literally have it here. Yeah. I think it tells you something that yeah. you can love a movie mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. and still hate the freaking main character, in yeah. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it tells you something about the movie to me. Anyway. Still get worked up. Yeah. About it. Still, still feel that same way Jesse does, mm-hmm. right? And then you have John Williams music mm-hmm. at this point, you're just like you get that bump, 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 and you're like, man, are they gonna blast yeah. first? Is this thing yeah. gonna blow up first? And they get up and the rebels win the day. They win the day. And I got to tell you one thing. I noticed this this one time when I was watching it. If it weren't for Darth Vader's ship Mm -hmm. floating away into the space. Movie's over. This is one film. Yep. Literally one film. It's one off. Yeah. Yeah, If it blows up, you're done. That's the saving grace of like, I wonder what else happens with that. Yep. And I'm grateful for that because the next film is something to speak about for sure. But it literally could be a one off at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no one would be sad that there wasn't more. Yeah. It's a full story. Yeah. Yeah. The heroes completed the quest. 
even at the end of the film, after the good guys have won the day, they are presented their medals in a triangular fashion from <laughs> Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. It's in a triangle. Yeah. And they both kind of have the smile, like, I can smile at you bigger than my guy over here can. No, I can't. Mm-hmm. As they're still at that moment competing, yeah. it's a healthy competition for the girl. But we still see that that hasn't been solved as of yet. And mm-hmm. I also like that because even if this movie ends and we never get Empire or any of the rest, yeah. like, there is a conversation... To all of the things that you hate about the Hunger Games, one of the quintessential questions is who does she love more? Mm-hmm. Katniss, yeah. who does she love more? So yeah. we get it with plenty of discussion. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure she was into Han more. Yeah. yeah. Well, he winks at her and like Luke's kind of giving her a look and then th- that that gets fucked up later. But Luke like, it, like it, there's like something Han there. Knows. You know what I mean? <laughs> Han knows how to play. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, and again, he's swamped. Yep. I think I'd like you to give me a daughter and a niece in the same house. <laughs> oh, good God. That's taken from Chinatown. Come yeah, on. there you go. So I got to say one thing, just a couple little anecdotes, and then we'll kind of rate this film here. So just some just things to kind of consider. One thing we didn't talk about, too. The other thing that saved this film was the editing. So Lucas actually had an editor. He was fucking up the film. He brought in two people, um, uh, Chow and Hirsch. And they saved, literally saved the film. They, they added the wipes and the dissolves. They, it became the look of Star Wars. This quick cutting. We got to cut away from it. If it looks bad, we need to get away from it. it like We got to show it like from different perspectives. They totally changed the shape of that film in the editing bay. Like that, they, they need kudos, and they got their Oscar, so kudos well, to them. Raise it up to them because yeah. it wouldn't it. it wouldn't be yeah. what we know today, right? So yeah, so we talk about you know marketing too. This film was like I posted the trailer on Facebook. Like that trailer is kind of shitty, actually. Oh, I watched that trailer, yeah. yeah, and I was like, I would not have seen this movie. Yeah, <laughs> so something brought people together in May of '77 to come see this film, and so I got just give you some numbers. We talk numbers all the time on the show. Mm-hmm. Budget of eleven million dollars. It went on to become the second highest grossing film adjusted for inflation of all time. Uh, Gone with the Wind's number yeah. one. Is um, it still number one? It's still number one. To give you some perspective, it sold in just 1977 178 million tickets. Oh, wow. Avengers Endgame, when that came out this year, and that was a big film, 95 million. Oh, my God. Yeah. Goodness. So imagine that hype that that film had. Like, yeah. Times... That's- so double the Avengers in-game numbers, and that would be the impact of Star Wars. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> when, that's just in the That's some perspective. Just out of curiosity, yeah. when, when was it released? 1977. Well, uh, month? May. May. It was May. Oh, so yeah. it, was, okay. it was one of your summer blockbuster. Yeah. Just like when, game though. But when, just like Yeah, but game. when summer blockbusters, as we talked on Jaws, like, they weren't the norm. Like, this was yeah. a rare move yeah. for the film. That's 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 just in the United States too. Mm-hmm. That's staggering to me. Like that's that's a huge number. It was nominated for ten Oscars, Best Picture, Best Director. It won six for, and then the ones that definitely deserved to win for musical score, visual effects, visual effects mm-hmm. and editing. Like what won Best Picture that year? Do you know Annie Hall? Give me a. <laughs> <laughs> but like that just shows you the impact that this film had. And then like, and we talk about merchandise. Like maybe you can attest to this, Matt. Like they didn't even have toys for that Christmas. They gave you an empty box, and the toys came out like that next like spring. So the first Star Wars action figure I got was uh, Han Solo, and the paint job was terrible on him, so you couldn't tell his eyes from his mouth. But you Um, didn't care, right? I didn't care. Did he have his vest, though? He did. There you go. But my favorite ones were, I loved the cantina sequence, so I had Hammerhead, and I had Greedo. Yeah. And it wasn't even so much then as like have the little action sequence where the figures are fighting. I had 
a stand with like on the bottom of the feet of the Star Wars action figures there was a hole and nobody knew what that was for at the beginning but later it was right right? to stick him on the peg and then the little thing I had would let the character rotate and I had a box a display case essentially that had the names of the characters and where they were supposed to be and I almost filled it out and what I was missing was Luke Skywalker X-Wing gear. Mm. And this story has a tragic end to it, fellas. Oh, no. I'm not ready for that. Do I need I'm, another pour for this? Yeah. <laughs> the way many comic books have gone in the history of mankind, and I do mean mankind, they got put in the attic. Oh, I know. Bye-bye. Yeah, thrown away. God, they're probably worth so much money. <laughs> they, were, they were out of the box, so that does sort of quell this still, storm of terror and yeah. tragedy and still, that's... Guys, I had... R.I.P. There's a glass. R.I.P. Mom, I love you, but man, you blew that one. Yeah. <laughs> and two more final anecdotes. I mentioned one to you guys off mic that uh, Lucas thought this film was going to bomb big time. So being good friends with Spielberg, and we've talked about the new Hollywood movement with him and Scorsese and Coppola, um, they made a deal for 2.5% of each other's film's back end um, all time. So that's Close Encounters of a Third Kind versus Star Wars. So literally anytime Star Wars makes money, Spielberg gets 2.5% of that. What the hell? Mm-hmm. That's literally like millions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Billions. I, 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 those guys, they get direct deposit checks like daily. I know they do. Like, oh, they from have to. Shit like this. Think about Disney Plus and The Mandalorian. Yeah. That's got to play into that too, right? Yeah. I, w- I would think. Like, mm-hmm. Do you think, like, I bet you there's some special contractual obligation or something from Disney to be like, because Spielberg would be crazy to give that up, right? <clears throat> right. George yeah. Luke's like, oh, I'm going to sell it. And he's like, you're sure as shit not selling my stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting my cut. Yeah. It'd be a really interesting something to look into. I would love to find that out. And then one final thing. So, like, we're lucky now that we have, like, Blu-ray, DVD, Mm -hmm. 4K, whatever. Um, Back then, you didn't. So the only way to see Star Wars again, if you wanted another fix, was the re-release. They would re-release it, like, every year, occasionally. And you had to kind of go to the theater to see it again. Like, that's pretty remarkable in itself. And that showings every year, that. There you go. So yeah, excellent. So I would have I would have lost my mind if I watched <laughs> these Star Wars movies and I had to wait that long. Oh, the wait! Watch oh. I watched it twice in one week this week because yeah. it was just too good. Yeah, I'm oh. gonna watch Empire probably four times next week. Well, we'll talk about the wait <laughs> between Empire and Jedi and what that must have been. Oh. I can tell you, having lived it, yeah. <laughs> save it for next week. Oh man, yeah. my dad lets it's... me know every time we watch those movies. Oh, excellent. God, every discussion in the playground was, is he the dad or not? Excellent. Let's get to that next week. Excellent, gentlemen. Well, I think time now more than ever. Let's rate A New Hope. We have Rock Gut, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. Matt, I'll let you go first, and then we'll make round rock. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go the rating okay so <laughs> I, rock cut just kidding obviously <laughs> right hell no <laughs> editing that out look yeah. it's it's 
as good as it can get. It's almost a perfect film. Mm -hmm. Mark Hamill takes a little bit of the perfection away. But even with that, Mm -hmm. he's still mostly palatable because the film is Mm -hmm. solid. Um, If you want to know why I gave it the accolades I did, it's because I have a proclivity to Westerns. This fulfills all the check marks in the box of Westerns that I feel are necessary. It's smartly crafted. It's simple. And smart and simple in screenwriting is a monumental task. For you, too. Yes. Like, personally. Yes, I'm saying. Like, from a personal level. Yeah. To write smart and clever and unique and original um, without ripping off every trope. And this movie is, in some ways... I will say not ripping off, but respecting prior endeavors in the same like genres or unlike, but similar. Um, Yeah, man. I don't know. Like, look, listen to the podcast. Obviously, I don't hate this film. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say I love this film. It's a monumental moment in my film going experience. And it's not even my favorite film in the entire pantheon of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So there we go. That's where I'm at. Top shelf. Okay, I was like, I don't think you actually said the rating <laughs> until the very end. <laughs> For me, this is top shelf. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it's not even my favorite Star Wars episode. Mm-hmm. So there's a top shelf plus, I guess. For that Shit. episode. Top shelf plus. The Pappy Van Winkle. Maybe a, just a higher top shelf. I don't know. Yeah. But this is top shelf for it me. To As, yeah. So I've been watching this movie, this trilogy, since I was a child. Born and raised with it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And it something new comes up that I appreciate every time I watch this. Which to me tells me it's a great film. That's a mm-hmm. ringing endorsement of mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Even just talking with you, yeah. I want to go home and watch mm-hmm. it again, yeah. even though I watched it last night. <clears throat> yeah. Because yeah. there's new things I can appreciate that we've discussed yeah. in this film. And that just is, like you said, to me the highest compliment you can give a, mo- a movie when you can rewatch it over and over yeah. and just constantly find new things to appreciate about it so top shelf amen to that i'm not gonna mince words i hate luke and still one of my favorite movies all the time top shelf (laughs) yeah simple as that yeah excellent i hate luke and it's top shelf (laughs) excellent all right so um i had an interesting experience watching this just because i was thinking of this entire just thing in its totality so i I actually wrote something I i have to read it so I wrote, the legacy of Star Wars created from this one film is unlike anything we ever seen before this or since. Now, you can make the argument for Marvel, but man, that's the 60s, the comic Stan Lee. That's his kind of brainchild. Not spec'd. Not spec'd. And uh, we probably won't ever see something like this in our oh, lifetimes no. ever again. Uh, think of the canon of novels, video games, TV shows spun off from this one film. And... One of the most profitable film series of all time, the merchandising, it speaks for itself. The music, the visual, the sound, the world building is just at an 11, as you just said. Um, it's truly a landmark film in film history. It has to be nothing but top shelf for me. It's it's so important in yep. filmmaking, and it, it changed the trajectory the trajectory of how films got made in the yeah. 80s. Ghostbusters. Yeah. I, I would, I would argue not just films in the 80s, films for the rest of time. Yeah. 
There's it, a blockbuster there's mentality. There's that much influence, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's a different genre or or whatnot. It it just. Mm-hmm. Well, and I appreciate what you just said. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the video games. Yeah. So me, I play a lot of video games. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of it. Yeah. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite video games of all time is on the Nintendo GameCube, Star Wars Rogue Leader. Oh, so good. Such a good game. You get to do the trench run. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Moment. Yeah. And you get to do the escape from the Death Star as well. Yeah. Like, some of those video games are just... You can't, you can't capture that type of thrill mm-hmm. with any other universe other than the Star Wars universe. Yeah. It's remarkable. It, it truly is. The more I think about it, like, and that's Lucas's like mm-hmm. his baby. It's his brainchild. As is we, it, good. Is anybody playing the new PS4 one? I just, I just got. I, I want to get it. I, I just, don't have a PS4. I just got it. So. I'm going to his house. Yeah. So yes, thumbs up. Yeah, and I'm a little into it, and it's amazing. Yeah, I, okay. so far, yeah. The novels by is it Zahn? Timothy Zahn. Yeah, the first three oh, they're, by Zahn. They're great. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're, you're thinking of an extended. Like we said, the the spinoff, the Clone Wars, yeah, and the series, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Look, I can tell you, like we didn't miss an episode of Star Wars Rebels, mm-hmm. and that's about as extended, still being yeah. Skywalker proper as you yeah. can get. Um, and for a character, like the second most wasted character in film of all time is Darth Maul. Boba Fett's my yeah. number one. Oh, Darth Maul's man. number two. Darth yeah. Yeah. But Darth Maul's given started. justice in Rebels, yes. is he not? Yeah. And he, you also see him some in Clone some, Wars. Yeah, he's okay. given some justice in Clone Wars. Man, guys, like... It's I, remarkable. Yeah. It truly is. It is... Terms, words, languages. It's everything. I think when you and I like really approve of something in here, we toast and say amen. Yeah. <laughs> so what I would say to Star Wars in totality of the summation of our evaluations is it's top shelf with not an amen but a hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 The, the only thing for me that can come close to it yeah. is Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Because Tolkien did, I feel, something very similar to what Lucas has done. Yeah. Um, but then, and, and, and but then P- Peter, Peter Jackson, Jackson, he brought it to, to life. life. Yeah, he that's... Did. That's another created thing. an entirely new way of filming yep. for that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We got that'll be another film cast for I think, another day. I, I think you have two categories Can we here, come which back is, for it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Why not? If, yeah. if you don't have me back for Lord of the Rings, I'm just saying. We have spec material. He's knocking on your door. And That's, adapted material, yes. right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's spec. I don't know if it gets any better. Yeah. 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 Yes. Adapted. I don't know if that gets any yeah. better. Yeah. It's yeah. so yeah. fresh. I totally agree. All right, guys. If you guys want to come back, look, there's an end of year thing that we'll do, and we ought to have Everybody that's been a visitor on sure come in weigh in on what 2019 was for them just like a reunion yeah. party yeah. beautiful but yeah. before we head off for the day we have a nightcap question oh, yeah. that yes, you sir. guys have also brought I am you have not given this to us yeah, everybody out there this yes. is cold for me yes. and Jesse so, so this might be a disaster prep yeah. for the flight question uh-huh. we didn't want you to prep for this nightcap so, question so this you guys you guys have seen more movies and pre- and I think appreciate the nuances of film more than we do mm-hmm. that's why we kind of wanted to keep you in dark with this so okay. with that Brett, let me know the question. What, who or what are your top film villains? So we can do a top three if you want in the interest of time. We can do a top 
two or just one. Let's do one each. You want. Each person. Just do one. one. Yeah. Ooh, let's. Can we? Can we do two? Let's do two. Let's two. do at least. Two. Well, it, no. Let's do two because here's well, what will happen. We'll do well, one, and Jesse will still yeah. give us three because yeah. that's yeah. how he does every episode. That's what I do. I do it every week. <laughs> the way I was thinking is we could do a top two disregarding Darth Vader. Okay. Because he's probably on. I would think our list of top three potentially. Sure. Yeah. Because when when I thought of this question, it's like when I think of a villain, yeah, who comes to mind? Okay. Well, number one is Darth Vader for me. Yeah. So Excellent. we're not going to touch on him. It's, okay. So then let's be let's be fair about it, and no Hannibal Lecter than either. Oh shit! Both of those two guys are okay. Out. That's fine. <laughs> okay. And so okay. like with that, just to admit, it's like the iconic these iconic villains, right? Sure. That are that. Even if you're not a big film buff, mm-hmm. you know who they are. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. what I said, when we say the word villain, this is the image you see. It's totally fair. You go first, Brett. <laughs> okay. So mine, the top choice, I'll, I'll actually save the top choice. My second choice would be Commodus, Joaquin Phoenix from The Gladiator. That's a good one. He is just the illustration of power hungry Mm -hmm. he just wants the power he doesn't want to give it up and he wants to demonstrate it he doesn't just want to get the powder he wants power he wants to demonstrate his power to the underappreciatedness of joaquin Mm -hmm. phoenix again Mm -hmm. like oh yeah so good so he's he's got to be in my top three once again darth vader's number one (laughs) so he's number three my number two Oh wait, are yeah. we doing around? Yeah, we're going around. Yeah, Joaquin right. Phoenix is the good version of Johnny Depp. We've established that, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. You're so number, you're this two. one, they might might be. Uh, I don't know. You might get some pushback, but Go I'll ahead. say, the Wicked Witch of the West from <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. I, I don't know about pushback, no, but that's, just that's that's like a, a genre. Setter, that's good right? shit, dude. It's it, it and I think one of the hard ones you'll find trying trying to think of mm-hmm. one of the few big time. Women villains. Yeah, they're all yeah, right. Well said. There, there's not, there's not a lot out there. Mm-hmm. Right. That's and, good. And she, like everything about, just it says it in the name, Wicked Witch of the West. Mm-hmm. Everything about her is just evil. Mm-hmm. Right. Ah, oh, that's good. All right, number two for me. I'm gonna go a little more like, kind of out of that, like these types of genres. But I gotta go Michael Corleone from Godfather Part Two. Uh, okay. the, 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 the levels he st- stoops to in that in that film are nothing short of villainous. And literally the last shot of him just pontificating everything he's put his family through, killing his brother, etc. Yikes. Like, I wish there was no Godfather Part 3 because it, it ruins all of that greatness. It has well, to be. Luckily for you, I've never seen Part 3. Yeah. So. You keep, yeah. <laughs> Stay there. Stay there. That's what I've heard. That's why I haven't. Yeah. That's why I haven't dipped a toe into that's part three. It's my number two. Yeah. Okay. Damn, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you like it. I love it. It took a while <laughs> to come up with it, even though it seems simple. Simple is less is more. Amen. <laughs> number two for me. Oh, I'm torn on this one. Okay, so number two for me. You could pull a Jesse, right? <laughs> you could. Give the honorable mention. Yeah, just seven just, so yeah. that I can. <laughs> next one, next time around the table. <laughs> I think number two for me is Burt Gordon in The Hustler. That's George C. Scott as the money version of who's funding 
fast Eddie Felsen. He's such a motherfucker. <laughs> what he does to Piper Laurie mm-hmm. in that film and how her story ends because of him and what she uses him for. I'm not going to spell this out because someday we're going to do that. Yeah, I'll We're going to do The Hustler someday on here. That'll be a good one. Um, it's Burt Gordon, but it's by a hair. And who I have at number three, I'm actually debating in myself if it might be who I'm going to challenge my number one with. But it's Burt Gordon. And, and my three that I have here They're in all mind close. are like Inter- interchangeable. So I'm going to go with, to in this particular moment at this time on this day, it's Burt Gordon at number two from The Hustler. Okay. Okay. So my next best villain. This is your number one. Yeah. Number two, technically, because Darth Vader is number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it's the Joker from the Batman, specifically Heath Ledger's interpretation of God the Joker. God damn it. Yeah. Because, like, what can I even say? If you, if you even have to ask a question of why this guy seems v- or is a villain... I don't know what's wrong with you, but there's something wrong with you. Like, he is just the definition of evil. He's yeah. evil for the sake of being evil. He yeah. thinks it's fun. Isn't that the definition of villain? Yeah. Like, and Heath Ledger's interpretation is just out of this world. Mm-hmm. I love the Joker in everything. I love Batman. Yeah. Video games. Like... Yeah. The original Michael Keaton movie with the Joker. Yeah. Like they all did great, but Heath Ledger is just he's he's the top ah. of portraying the Joker. It's another film we're definitely gonna talk about one of these days, but damn it. Like, I've already it's, it's, mentioned it twice. I know. It was the answer to both of my questions. Shows how much you, it's just so so much you phenomenal. like it. It's just a masterful masterful performance oh, is, is what it sure. is. Total command sure. of, of, of the character in the scene. That's great. Number Great. So one this this is one you know aside from all the other I, I really appreciate these movies for what I, I feel like they did a lot visually mm-hmm. and for who they had playing this character um, I'll go with Agent Smith from The Matrix Hugo Weaving I believe is a, f- a phenomenal actor yeah oh yeah and just you, there there is points in in that movie like the things he's saying mm-hmm. you can you can believe it from his standpoint right. Mm-hmm. And and the way he delivers is just for me just top notch, just amazing. Um, so he would be right up there. I, I I'm like man, I have a couple. I can maybe throw out a yeah. you know a, an honorable mention since it is Christmas time. I would go with Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Oh, but, uh, that's so good! <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> so good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. I would love to have picked the Joker, like Han, and Hans. I just like I know about him, but I forgot about him. Like in this instance, you're gonna give me Mr. Joshua, aren't you? <laughs> no, lethal weapon. <laughs> Hell no, no, no. If I, I had to go to one, I'm just going to pure evil. The literally the the basis of evil, the devil himself. This is it has to be Linda Blair in The Exorcist. Like as a film antagonist, oh. what she puts her mother through, what she puts those priests through in that little bedroom up there in Georgetown is nothing short of like horrific. Yeah. I thought about yeah. I thought about uh Norman Bates a little bit, but man, like from a little girl, uh, again a great performance by Linda Blair. It's it's so jarring. It's it's one of the greatest cinematic villains of all time. It's yeah. That's mine. 
I got to make my choice, huh? Yep. So I'm going to honorable mention this one. Okay. Which actually has a reference to the one that I just mentioned. So it's Piper Laurie as Margaret White. Okay. And I'm going to take all of the things that Margaret White is in Carrie, which is a movie that I didn't give a top shelf rating to, but I keep coming back to. We talk about it a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that film a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's De Palma. Yeah. And we've talked about the necessity of like doing a De Palma podcast at, cask at some point too, right? Yep. Okay, so if you took Margaret White and amplified her evilness, I think you would have Mrs. Robinson. From The Graduate. When you and I talk about where mm-hmm. we've created villains, our favorite villain is who? Yeah. Like no one's going to know what this means other than you and me. Who's our favorite <laughs> villain that we've ever written? Talent. It's talent. Yeah, because we humanized him. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that Mar- that that Mrs. Robinson isn't even given a name yeah. other than Mrs. The wife of Mr. Robinson. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the second Mrs. De Winter and Rebecca. Yeah, another film that we have yet to sort of traverse into. Yeah, and the reason that she's where she is is literally because of the name and the domestic cells she's been put into. Mm-hmm. And then you take a healthy dose of. The bastardization or debauchery revolving around a woman's ability to procreate and thus sex and mm-hmm. use it as her most powerful tool. Like, I'm obviously speaking about film noir, so you guys are like, oh, he's got to be talking about Stanwyck as Mystic Diedrichson. No, I'm talking about Mrs. Robinson in The Graduate. She's so good in that film, and mm-hmm. she's so relatable to I can get why she's there and she's still such a bitch (laughs) female villains to me are way more terrifying than male villains Um, when done well I'm a little surprised I had this on my list and I didn't didn't say it because I thought you might pick him Mm -hmm. Um, from a movie you seem to mention a lot was Warden Norton from Shawshank Redemption okay so I'll be honest with you I was just going through that I don't know who's worse if, if it's Warden Norton or um, the the cop the cop mm-hmm. what the okay yeah yeah looking, yeah what the, 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 the Clancy Brown Clancy yeah. Brown yeah, yeah. I I, I th- that's yeah, yeah I, no. I have him on my list right here such a good and I yeah. was like you know what? I'm not gonna hit that one mm-hmm. because Matt lo- like uh, that's yes. a great movie it is right great movie yep. and you seem to bring that one up I like carry a lot and so I was like he might hit nor I'm I'm not I'm not gonna take it. I, I was doing that for you. Look, I, I mean, I had one like that too for Jesse. Yeah, I didn't mention Hans Landa uh-huh. from Inglorious I could have. As much as Matt yeah. hates that movie, he would have reached over the <laughs> table and choked you. Choked you. Me out. I wouldn't have. I'm surprised evil, I didn't pick so. the Xenomorph from Alien. Like, like <laughs> that was no, also true. up there. So. Good guy. That's you, a, you know you that could go forever on. This that's a list we've never done. It would be a fun list. Would they have everybody on one day and like. Come up with your top ten villains list and like do like we did. Like once that character is picked at you seven, can't, you can't yeah. pick it anywhere pick it. else. I like yeah. That. Yeah. that would be a lot. Like and I mean cold. Yeah. Like no prep. No, no prep. Just come in and go cold. That'd be interesting. Well, I'm that's gonna a really prep good question. Starting today. <laughs> excellent. So I'll have a little prep. Oh, excellent, <laughs> Brett and Jonathan. This has been an absolute blast. Absolutely. Thank you for thank you for, uh, thank you for coming on. Like we're glad you came on to talk about Star Wars. I'm just gonna say real quick. If you want to come on for another film, what film is it? Specifically, he is pointing to me, yes. Brett Reese, not yes. Jonathan yes. at this point. Yes. I'll come back for 
any film I've seen that you're doing. <laughs> okay. <But> I, <laughs> this was just a blast. No, you, know, you know what we should I'll do with that? Back. Yeah. We should take a movie yeah. that you and I really hold in high esteem that, like, our colleagues have never seen yeah. uh-huh. and burn that with them before yeah. and go into it cold. Go into it Like cold. you did yeah. with Wreck With Me. Yeah. Just, That'd be great. Just to answer your question, yeah. though, if you ever review any of the installments from the Bourne trilogy, Ooh. I will be here. Excellent. I will be here. What a great trilogy, too. Oh, what about, so, you? what about you, Jonathan? I'll go install. I'll, I'll go installments from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and then also Jesse knows how much I love this <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, <laughs> Carpenter! Such a great episode. We've talked about that cult film cask a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we can Off do mic that. and on mic. Excellent. That's, I, one. that's that's one. Can't get enough of it. Excellent. Well, cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. 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 It's been fun. I got to get going. I got to go to the Tashi station. I got to buy some power converters for my car. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. I don't care what anybody says. Greedo shot first. Amen to that. <laughs> I'm going to head to the dealership because I hear they have the new X38 land speeders out. So I'm going to go check those out. <laughs> what about you, man? I, I don't even know how to follow that. <laughs> I'm just getting ready for your out. next episode. Excellent. <laughs> Uber a Bantha and we'll see you all next week. Excellent. Yeah. We'll see you all next week, Vario Nation. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, Stitcher, and leave us an email at Productions at gmail.com. Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope is property of 20th Century Fox, Lucasfilm, and Walt Disney Pictures, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, may the Force be with you. Take these two over to the garage, will you? I want them cleaned up for dinner. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters.